This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Exodus chapter 13. We finished up a couple weeks back. I discussed the plagues. And we talked about the blood and the blood of Jesus Christ, of our salvation. Prior to that, I told you, uh, we talked about Moses meeting God. I told you to find your mountain, strip it off, talking about he had to take his shoes off to enter into the presence of the Lord And to throw it down, God took a staff that was just a simple tool that he had, his shepherd's staff. And when he threw it down before God, when he picked it back up, the word says that at that point it was God's staff. It was no longer his staff, it was God's staff. And so we walked through that. Last week we walked through the, or a couple weeks back we walked through the journey of what it looked like for Moses to go to Pharaoh, to the king, and asking him to let the people go asking him to release the people. And he had him convinced that, uh, hey, we're just going to go off a short distance. Pharaoh, I told you, it's just like the enemy to give us a little bit of rope. Pharaoh said, go off a short distance, but don't go too far. You can go out just a little ways and have your celebration, have your festival, but don't go too far. And so Pharaoh's under the assumption, you need to know that, when they left out of Egypt, Pharaoh's under the assumption that the people of Israel are going out to worship for a little while and they're coming back. You with me? It's important to realize when they left, when he said, hey, you can go, he wasn't letting them go for good. When he realized that they were not coming back, he kind of flipped out for a moment. It was not going to be good. So we find in Exodus chapter 13, Verse 17, I'm reading out of the New American Standard. It says, Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, the people might change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. God knew that the people of Israel were a lot like you and I, and if things were going to get hard and things were going to get difficult, there's many times we'll turn tail and go back to the bondage, go back to where we come from just because it's comfortable rather than walking forward, right? The shortcut was to go through the Philistine country to go through and to, to get to the promised land. The shortest distance was to go straight through, but God did not lead the people of Israel the shortest distance. Instead, he led them around. Hence, God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in a, in a martial array from the land of Egypt. It just probably most likely, we don't believe that the people of Israel had any weapons. It would not make any sense whatsoever for the Egyptians to allow the Israelite people to have weapons, right? That would be dumb. If you've got somebody in slavery, you don't give them a way to overtake you. Martial array means it literally was the way they were probably marching as an army. In martial array, and uh, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. 
Then they set out from Sukkoth the, and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and a pillar of fire by night to give them the light that they might travel by day and night. This is very important. Verse 22. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. God had literally put a cloud. The, the word of God calls it the angel of the Lord. It's a cloud. It's the Shekinah glory that is before the people. And there was never a point that that went away. He put it before them, and during the day they could see this pillar, this column that come down from the sky of cloud, and they followed it, and at nighttime it was fire. It lit up their way. It lit their path. And the Bible says, you just read, that God did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. But we move to chapter 14. Now the Lord, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel, turn back and camp before Pahahiroth between Migdol and the sea. This made no sense. They had an escape route. They could have made it through. You study geography just a little bit. They had a way with the sea on one side of them. They could have went around the sea. They could have escaped. They could have made it to the promised land. But God said, instead... Turn around and, and stop and camp here. Do you ever feel like you're going in circles? Do you ever think that maybe the circles are on purpose? Verse 3 says, For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. They were going in circles on purpose. God had set it up so that Pharaoh literally said, they're wandering aimlessly. It looks like they don't know what they're doing. It looks like they don't have a clue where they're headed. That was a very true statement. They didn't have any idea where they were headed. They were following the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. They had no idea where they were going. And so they were wandering aimlessly. The Lord said in verse 4, thus, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He will chase after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. This is the exact same scenario when God brought the people out. Over and over, we see the plagues. We see God harden Pharaoh's heart. He did not let the people go. The people of Israel, the people of Egypt had to go through all kind of suffering, had to go through all kind of turmoil. They dealt with flies. We had a fly problem in our house this week. I got my Christmas decorations done on Monday. Yes, I do realize it's February. I like to leave them up at least till my birthday. I got them done on Monday. The door stayed open for a while. I have no idea if that's where the flies come from. Micah was laying in the bed last night, and she said, I'm telling you, they're of the devil. <laughs> I said, well, that would make a lot of sense, but, I, you know, all I know, was there was a, could you imagine the plague of flies? I couldn't imagine what it was like. I mean, there's like eight or ten that we killed in the house in the last day. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like to have them swarming all over. It's aggravating. But God hardened Pharaoh's heart and would not allow him to let the people go. 
And so now here the people of Israel have actually made it out of Egypt. They've made it out of bondage. They've made it out of slavery. And God hardens his heart again. He said, I'm going to make the, the Egyptians, I'm going to make Pharaoh chase after you. Verse 5 says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, this is when he learns that they're not just going out a short distance like he asked, but they've actually fled. They're going to the promised land that God's promised. When he heard they fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart. Of course he did. Toward the people, and they said, what is this we've done that we've let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready. He took his people with him, and he took 600 select chariots, all the other chariots of Egypt with the officers of all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the son of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pahahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, Egypt, uh, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord, and this is where we struggle. God has put a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire in front of them. Brought, they've been in bondage for so long. It's become natural to them. They have been living as slaves for so long that they begin to question Moses. Really? They said, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Was there not enough graves there that we could have just stayed there and died in Egypt? Why do we have to come to the wilderness? What's so bad about the wilderness? We forget these people were being driven. When Moses showed up, we talked about it several weeks back. When Moses showed up, Pharaoh made it so that they had to work twice as hard. There were slave drivers beating them, making them get their own straw to make their own bricks. They were expected to produce the same amount of labor with less resources. How did they forget? How did they get to a place where they say, were there not enough graves in Egypt that now we're in the wilderness to die? So what if you die in the wilderness? I'd much rather die in the wilderness than die in slavery with somebody beating me over the back to make bricks. Wouldn't you? But I've not been in the place of being have somebody beating me over the back. They were comfortable in their slavery. They were comfortable in their bondage. Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Verse 12 said, Is it not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would be better to serve Egyptians than to die in the wilderness? That makes no sense to me. But Moses said, don't fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you'll never see them again forever. 
the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Family, there's some demons chasing after us. There's some situations chasing after us that the Lord said, you stand still, you be quiet in this moment, and you watch the salvation of the Lord defeat this for you today. The, the things that are chasing us down, sure, more junk's coming. We'll talk about it in a minute. More, more mess is going to happen. There's more demons to be slayed. There's more demons to be fighting. But God had set them up in the wilderness so that he could defeat the one that wanted to chase them down, the one that wanted them to die. He had set them up. He had put them in a place. They looked like they were surrounded. They looked like there was nowhere to go. Pharaoh said, they're wandering aimlessly. Now's the time. I'm about to march in, and I'm going to take them back, and they're coming to serve me. And God said, no, you sit and you watch. You complain all you want to complain, but you sit and you watch for a minute and see the salvation of the Lord. Verse 15 says, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? <laughs> I wonder how often God gets tired of us going back over and over and over. I'm that guy. I want the plan laid out. Well, okay, God, I see that you brought us to this place. What's the next move? God doesn't work that way. God's not going to lay it out for you. He said, why do you keep coming to me and asking me these questions? Why are you coming to me right now? Don't you believe, Moses, that I put you in this place? Don't you believe you've been anointed? Don't you believe you've been appointed? People of Israel, don't you realize you're out of slavery? Why are you coming to me complaining? Why are you even having to ask these questions? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I'm honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. This is where things get tricky for me. Because chapter 13, verse 22 says that he gave the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night and it never left from before them, right? Until verse 19 of chapter 14. The angel of God, which is the cloud who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus one did not come near the other all night. God just told Moses, so what's about to happen is you're going to stretch out your hand, you're going to divide the sea. But the presence of God's actually not going to lead you through this one. Because God's protection needs to be behind you rather than in front of you. Somebody asked me the other day, we're in a conversation, you just ever feel like that you're so distant from God? 
You can't find him. You, you're not hearing from him. You can't feel anything from the Lord. Maybe it's because he's moved from directly in front of you and had to go back behind you to protect you from something you can't even see. But God, I don't get it. You just said, I'm about to part this sea and these people are going to walk through. You have led us through every step of the way. But now you're going behind us? There have been times in my life where everywhere I looked in front of me, I could not find the presence of God. I couldn't find the leading of the Lord. We have those seasons. It does not mean, doesn't always mean we're out of the will of God. It sure enough doesn't mean God's left us. He's not going to leave us. Just because I can't see him doesn't mean he's not there. And just because he's not continuing to lead me one step in front of the next doesn't mean he's not keeping the enemy from behind me, from killing me. If that cloud of, of darkness and that pillar of fire hadn't stood between the people of Egypt and the people of Israel, Pharaoh could have went and taken them at that point. He could have taken them. He could have killed them at that point. <clears throat> Pharaoh had some confidence in his men. The Bible tells us there was at least 600 men plus women and children that were in this convoy with the people of Israel. And Pharaoh shows up with his 600 best chariots and all the others. You do the math. I don't know how many all the others were. But if he shows up with 600 versus at least 600,000 plus the women and children, the presence has not gone anywhere. It's protecting us from things we don't even see. And then Moses, verse 21, stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord swept the sea back in a strong east wind all night. And turned the sea into dry land, so the waters divided. The sons of Israel went through in the midst of the sea on dry land, but the waters were like a wall to them, on their right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, chariots, his horsemen went in after them to the midst of the sea at the morning watch. The Lord looked down on the, on the army of Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them. We jump down to verse 27. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The sea returned to its normal state at daybreak while Egyptians were fleeing right into it. The Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Verse 28 says, not even one of them remained but the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall on the right and on their left. Verse 31 says, When Israel saw the great power which the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord and in his servant Moses. Here's my very simple message for today. First of all, They walked across 
not knowing what they were walking into. They've been led this entire way by the pillar of the cloud and the pillar of the fire. And now that's behind them. But God, I know you've called me to this, but I'm waiting on you. Son, I've told you. You got to cross the sea. Not only did they cross without the presence of God going before them, they crossed to the middle of the night. Well, what's the significance? Some of my darkest days have been when God has pulled the worst out of me. Some of my darkest days have been when he's expected the most out of me. Some of my darkest days have been when he's put this obstacle in front of me where death is sure enough behind me. And he said, you ready to trust me, son? Walk across the sea. It's easy when things are good. It's easy when life is happening and everybody's smiling and everything's all dandy. It's a whole lot easier to trust God and walk through that season when everything's happy, right? It's a whole lot easier to go into an unknown place when you can see what you're walking into. The people of Israel crossed the sea in the dark. When Moses stretched out his hand, the wind started blowing from the east, and the Bible said that they walked through all night long. The sea, the sea stayed split. Here's, here's the thought. How did they know that when they got smack dab in the middle of the ocean, the walls wouldn't come caving down on them? said that the water was like a wall on their left hand and on their right. They're in the middle of darkness. Completely unknown situation. They've not been here before. They've not done this. Remember, they'd rather be in Egypt. How did they know that when they got right in the middle of the sea, it wasn't going to crash on them and kill them. They didn't. They didn't know that. Your Bible, I just read it to you. At the end of this story, the end of this, when they walked across and they turn around and look and see the Egyptians dead and drowned, where they just walked across, that's when they had faith in the Lord. And believe that Moses was the servant. They were still doubting. All the way up to the point I believe. That the first guy that stepped onto that weird dry. It's a seabed. It should be mushy. They should step into it and sink. The word says that the ground dried out. So not only was the water out of the way, but the place that they placed their feet, the ground that they walked on was a solid foundation. 
How did they know that when they got in the middle of it, it wasn't going to kill them? They didn't. What are we allowing fear to take from us? What does God want to do in each one of our lives? What is it that he wants to do in your personal life? in your family? What kind of ministry has God got for you? What does he have that, that we don't ever step into that because we're afraid that we'll get right smack dab in the middle of it and drown? It's dark. I can't help it's dark. I can't help that the presence of God's not making the path perfectly clear. Everything's not perfectly clear. Sometimes risks are involved. God is a God of risk, family. He put a young shepherd boy out in the middle of the battlefield to defeat a giant that an army wouldn't stand against. How did anybody know that that giant wouldn't say, be dead, David, and David die? They didn't. I personally look at the story of David and Goliath and see just a little bit of arrogance in David. He said, I come at you in the name of the Lord. But he wasn't led by the Spirit to the battlefield. Nowhere do I see that the Spirit of God led him onto the battlefield. Right? He walked in that on his own. Knowing sure enough well that the God that helped him conquer and defeat everything up to that point was going to be with him. He knew that. The Spirit of God didn't leave him on, lead him to the battlefield. The presence of God has left from in front of the people of Israel and is now behind them, fighting for them from behind so that they can say, I'm going to believe this, and I'm going to take the risk. God has called us to a promised land, and the only way I get to get there is to step through this unknown situation. The only way I get to make it into the place that God's calling us to go, he's brought us out of slavery. The only way I get to make it to the place that he wants us to go is even on this dark night when I don't feel like it, even on this dark night when everything else is falling apart around me, even on this dark night when I don't want to be here. Everything's not happy. I can't see left or right. All I see is fish swimming in that wall. I picture it like a huge aquarium. They look through, it's all fish swimming. My imagination's crazy, I get it. All they could see was the circumstance they were in. But yet we won't walk in what God has for us. Because we're afraid of the risk. Because I can't know for sure that I can make it to the other side. I can't know for sure. That when I get to the other side, everything's going to be okay. I don't even know what's on the other side of the sea. They get to the other side. 
and start complaining again. They search for three days and can't find any water. It's bitter. God said, really? They instantly, you brought us out here to die, Moses? You bring us out here to thirst to death, let our livestock die? It's not all peachy on the other side of the sea. But if they'd have never crossed it, they'd have never made it to the promised land. And God is fighting behind them as hard as he can to hold off the enemy, to defeat the enemy so that they can walk forward in the unknown. What are we holding ourselves from? Because we allow the darkness to overtake us. We're sitting back waiting. There's so many people that are, they're only comfortable. I'm a firm believer in following the Holy Spirit's lead in everything that I do. Please don't mishear me. I'm very careful with the way that I lead, the conversations I have to follow the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying we bypass that. But there has to be a point where we realize the fullness of God is within me. I've been saved, sanctified, set apart for a reason. And I'm full of the Spirit of God myself. I don't always have to have a cloud, the Shekinah glory. It's a fancy way that, that it's just the fancy way of saying the visible presence of God, the Shekinah glory there in the cloud. I don't always have to have the presence before me to walk in boldness in what God's got before us. And there's so many that are scared to step out and scared to step into the risk, into the sea. I don't know if it's going to destroy you. If it crashes on you, Jesus walked on water. If it crashes on you and you end up at the bottom of the sea, at one point he created a fish to go and pick up a guy at the bottom of the sea to spit him out at his destination. I don't know that you're not going to drown for a moment. But if we keep sitting back, waiting on the presence of God to go before us, when in reality he's fighting behind us, trying to propel us forward into what he's got. We keep sitting back waiting. We never step into the sea and we never walk into our destiny. I don't know what it is. That's in your life. I'm done. You can come play something soft. I told you, simple. My throat's tired. I ain't going much longer anyway. I don't know what it is that God's calling you to. I'm not the only person in the house. This leadership around us is not, they're not the people in the house that are called to do ministry. We're not the only ones called to do ministry. Christians are called to do ministry. If we love Jesus, we're called to spread that love of Jesus, to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
Go into all the world and make disciples. I don't know what it is that you're called to do. I believe if you'd be honest, though, there's a calling on your life. Whether it's in the dentist chair cleaning people's teeth. Whether it's in the John Deere shop working on tractors and dealing with people that walk in the door. Whether it's trying to somehow salvage families and keep families together. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is we do, there's got to be some risk involved. There's no way to live the dream without taking risk. I'm a business guy. And I don't care what kind of investment you make. The lower risk, the lower return. Right? The lower risk, the lower return. The higher risk, the higher probability that it fails, but there's a whole lot higher probability for return. Right? The enemy would want nothing more than for you to seem to be defeated in a dark night season. A place where everything around you looks like it's chaotic, it's crazy. I could not imagine physically walking out into a place where I just saw a, a sea split and walls of water on both sides. I love water. But I could imagine walking out to a place where walls of water are on both sides of me. And if you've got it somewhere in the back of your mind, people want to say the Red Sea wasn't deep. It killed the Egyptians, family. I don't care if it won't be two foot deep. It was strong enough that the Egyptians, the whole army of Egyptians drowned in it. Right? I don't care which side of the argument you want to get on about it. It was miraculous some way, shape, or form because the whole army drowned in the sea. But walls of water on both sides, dark, without the presence of God before you. I can't really imagine what that's like, physically what that would be like to walk in that. But God's calling us to take some steps. To do some things in our personal lives. To do some things as a church. I'm just being honest with you. Some of it's going to be uncomfortable. I can't tell you we got it all together. I can't tell you it's going to be okay. I can't tell you that the walls are not going to crash down on top of us. But I know that if we never take the first step, we sure enough don't get to the Canaan land. Father, I love you, Lord. 
I thank you, God, that you're calling us to new places. God, you're calling us to a Canaan land. You're calling us to a place that is beyond anything we can grasp and put our minds around, Lord. God, in our personal lives, you're taking us places. You're wanting us to do things. God, you're wanting us to to shift around our families and minister in our families a different way. God, you're wanting us to to have a ministry in the place we work, God, in the place we play, whatever it is, Lord. And we stand back nervous, scared to death, God, and we're allowing ourselves to be defeated before we ever walk into that. Not after today. We recognize that the people of Israel didn't really know whether the waves would come crashing down on them and overtake them, God. But I recognize, even if they do, you're a God of salvation. Even if they do crash down on us, you're a God that's got a miracle in the working. You've got a plan. You've got it all worked out. Today we're going to walk in boldness. Father, I love you, Lord. God, I thank you for this opportunity today, God, that your word. Father, I thank you that you're calling us to do something that's greater than ourselves. God, I thank you that you're pushing our limits. You're pushing us beyond ourselves. You're pushing us into unknown places, God. We can't see what the end looks like. We can't see anything around us to even know that everything's okay, God. All we can do is keep walking. God, I pray that as we take this message and internalize it and allow it to sink into our heart today, God, that we realize there's a place that you're calling us to, God, a place of freedom, a place of blessing. God, we've got to cross over this unknown situation and maybe this dark time of life. But you're still calling us to go across. Father, I pray that you give boldness and courage to each one of us as we're to walk in your will, God, as we're to do what it is that you called us to do. God, I pray you strengthen us when we're weak. When our mind would tell us we're not good enough. When our mind would tell us we're crazy. When our mind would tell us that's a bad idea. Father, I pray we learn to rely solely on you. We listen to you. We walk in boldness, understanding that we are empowered by you. God, I don't know that the waves are not going to crash all around me. God, but I've got faith that if they do, you're still a God of salvation. And today, I'm standing to see the salvation of the Lord. Those things that have wanted to defeat us, those things that have chased us, they are no more today, God. We bind them in the name of Jesus, just like that ocean took them out, God, and we bind them right now. The same situations, the same demons that want to take us out, God, they will not destroy us. We bind them now today. Father, I pray that you will give us endurance to keep pushing forward. 
as we live the dream. God, I pray blessings on your people today. I pray for every household represented. That you bring wellness to our households, Lord. I pray that you bless us and keep us and bring us back again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.